Hi, I'm Rashmita, solicitor with the Commercial Disputes Team at Womble Bond Dickinson. Hello, everyone. I'm Stephen Dilley, a partner with the Commercial Disputes Team at Womble Bond Dickinson. Welcome back to our mini podcast series on authorized push payment fraud. Last time we spoke about APP fraud scope and growth and new legislations coming into force to protect customers. In this second episode, we will be focusing on a few judgments dealing with the bank's care duties. But before we dive into all these details, Stephen, could you please tell us more about the care duty? Thanks, Rashmita. And as you can imagine, it's nothing to do with a yellow tart fruit. The quince care duty is a duty of care that banks owe to their customers in circumstances where banks have reasonable grounds to believe that instructions provided by customers are an attempt to misappropriate funds. The quince care duty was first established in 1992 in the case of Barclays Bank and Quince Care Limited. That case involved Quince Care's chairman drawing down and misappropriating £340,000. He was then uh, sent to prison later and the money was lost. The central issue was about what the bank knew or ought to have known about the chairman's nefarious designs. To protect customers, banks are able to refuse to comply with certain instructions. And in some cases, banks may be obligated to take positive steps to investigate whether a payment instruction is an attempt to defraud customers. The quince care duty has been increasingly in the limelight. Its relevance has expanded, particularly in anti-money laundering and fraud cases, where banks are gradually becoming more expected by the regulator and the courts to play a significant role in preventing financial crime. Thank you, Stephen. As you say, the quince care duty is increasingly in the limelight, specifically because of the rise in APB fraud. Previously a grey area, it was very rare for a bank to be held liable under this duty. This has started to change, though, as the courts have now started assessing duties of banks on a case-by-case basis and whether appropriate consideration and investigation was given in relation to suspicious and fraudulent payment instructions. Now, let's discuss some of the recent judgments where the courts have discussed the Quinsicare duty and the bank's liability under the duty. Stephen, do you want to start by telling us about Singularis Holdings Limited versus Diva Capital Markets Europe Limited? Sure. Singularis concerned payments by Diva Capital Markets Europe Limited from a client account held to the benefit of Singularis Holdings. Mr. Sanya was the sole shareholder of Singularis and he had given fraudulent instructions for these payments. When Singularis went into liquidation, the liquidators claimed these monies from Daiwa. At trial, the High Court held that the Quince Care duty of care was breached by Daiwa in view of clear signs that the payments were fraudulent. The judge held, I'm quoting this, the Quince Care duty requires a bank to do something more then accept at face value whatever strange and implausible explanations are proffered by the officers of a company facing serious financial difficulties. Diver breached that duty as, again, quoting from the judgment, any reasonable banker would have realised that there were many obvious, even glaring signs that Mr. Alsania was perpetrating a fraud on the company when he instructed the money to be paid to other parts of his business operations. Now, 
Daiwa appealed to the Supreme Court. It claims that Mr. Alsania's fraud should be attributable to Singularis because it was basically a one-man company, with the consequence that the quince care duty against Daiwa would then be defeated. But the Supreme Court unanimously dismissed the appeal. It decided that Singularis was not a one-man company. There were a number of directors in the company who had no knowledge of the fraud. Therefore, the fraud could not rightfully be attributed to the company. The purpose of the quince care duty was to protect a company against this very form of misappropriation of funds. It would effectively remove the duty's practical value in such cases where it was most needed if a fraud of a company's trusted agent were to be attributed to the company. Right, Stephen. That's really interesting that the court took this proactive step and held the bank liable, essentially to ensure that the Quinsicare duty's practical value wasn't lost. Right. Let's move on to the next case, shall we? Um, could you share some light on the case, the Federal Republic of Nigeria versus JP Morgan Chase Bank, please? Yes. The case related to the payment of over a billion dollars by JP Morgan Chase to accounts held by a Nigerian company called Malibu Oil and Gas Limited. The Federal Republic of Nigeria alleged that JP Morgan had breached its quince care duty as it was on notice that the payments were made to facilitate an alleged fraud on FRN. In February 2019, the Commercial Court ordered the dismissal of an application for a reverse summary judgment that considered the situations which a bank owed a quince care duty of care. The judges' conclusions uh, concluded the following. Firstly, it's essential for a bank to understand when they are put on inquiry. In other words, when they assume that there are some questionable grounds to believe that the claimant could potentially get defrauded if the payments are made. The bank would then immediately owe a quince care duty of care to the claimant. In that situation, the bank's foremost duty is to ensure protection to the claimant by not making payments unless and until it was off inquiry. In other words, the circumstances for attempted fraud no longer existed. Secondly, the terms of the depository agreement did not in any manner exclude the bank's implied duty pursuant to the sale of goods 1982 or by the tort of negligence. Thirdly, there was no further justifiable reason as to why that duty should only be confined to current accounts and not apply to depository accounts. And finally, only if the quince care duty is inconsistent with the express terms of a contract or it may have been excluded by an exemption clause, can there be an assumption that the duty does not arise at all. But given the quince care duty of care is imposed for good policy reasons, only explicitly worded terms excluding such a duty would enable the court to conclude that the duty does not arise. The decision is important because, as Mr Justice Burroughs stated, that this duty established not just a negative duty to refrain from executing a payment instruction where there are reasonable grounds to suspect fraud, but also a positive duty to investigate the bank's suspicions. He went on to say, quoting, to recognise such a duty of inquiry would be in line with sound policy. In the fight to combat fraud, banks with the real, relevant reasonable grounds for belief should not sit back and do nothing. On appeal, the court refused the defendant bank's application for reverse summary judgment and strikeout. 
it upheld the decision of the Commercial Court for the Federal Republic of Nigeria to pursue its claim against JP Morgan. The court reiterated the Commercial Court's view that these negative and positive duties carry equal weight and neither is separate or subsidiary or additional to the other. In the Commercial Court, the judge was more of the view that the positive duty was a duty of inquiry. However, the Court of Appeals formulation of the positive duty was not limited to one of inquiry or investigation. And for that reason, the complex question of whether or not the bank breached its quinch care duty would be held at trial. Following a trial on the 14th of June 2022, the Commercial Court handed down their judgment in favour of the bank, stating that the quince care duty is narrow and confined and must be carefully calibrated due to the inherent conflict with the primary duty of a bank to honour a payment instruction. As Justice Cockerell further stated that situations related to corruption, past financial crime or fraud would not trigger a bank's quince care duty. She emphasised that the focus has to be on notice of the matter that has vitiated the instruction and not on any different or wider potential concern. It is also important to note that even though the court expressed the duty to be a narrow one, it did accept the Court of Appeals judgment in Phillips and Barclays that the logic of the principles which establish the quince care duty indicate that it is applicable whenever a banker is on inquiry and that the instruction is an attempt to misappropriate funds. Rashmita, I think it will definitely be interesting to see if and what the outcome will be if FRN was to go on to appeal. Definitely, Stephen. I'd imagine that this decision would have been welcomed by the banks. We will, however, need to closely see if this case goes to appeal and what the outcome will be. Considering the recent Supreme Court judgment of Stanford International Bank and HSBC and the ongoing case of Philip versus Barclays Bank, we thought it would be best if we had two separate individual episodes highlighting the facts and issues in these cases. So today's episode would end here. But everyone, stay tuned for our next two episodes, which would essentially deal with these two cases. Thank you all for tuning in. We would also encourage you to please comment or write to us in case you want us to cover any other topic of interest. Thank you.